afternoon or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, despite the worst pandemic in 100 years, the worst racial unrest since the 1960s, and a looming presidential election that will likely be the most consequential since the Civil War, the 101st season of the National Football League is about to begin. And to my right-hand man, Matt Barr, as excited as I am for the season, which will provide many of us with a much-needed respite, football definitely seems more secondary than ever right now with everything going on in the wider world, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like it's going to take a little bit of a backseat, but, you know, like you said, it's a wanted and needed distraction. I know not only is are we dealing with the civil unrest and, and the election coming up and, and the outbreak of COVID, I know half of the West Coast right now is on fire. I've got some friends who have had to evacuate, so... Think of those think of those folks right now who football is the furthest thing from their mind. I couldn't agree more, and that's a big re- reason why uh, on this podcast uh, we will continue to bring you nonstop NFL coverage these next several months, but we are just going to stick to sports because these times won't allow for us to do that on this podcast. Uh, last week we invited Republican strategist Matt Bukowiak on to give us a Republican perspective of the election, and next week we're going to invite our good old friend Jake Marcy, who has returned to the world of politics, to give us a Democratic perspective on the 2020 election. So we're not sticking to sports on this podcast for the time being, but uh, we're going to talk about mostly football in a minute. But first, let's start out with our big headlines for the season, and I'll go first. In the wakes of the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others at the hands of police violence, NFL players have made it clear that they will not be silent this time, and they will kneel during the plague of the National Anthem in protest. Even owners who are passionate supporters of the president, such as Jerry Jones, have given their players the green light to do so. Upon hearing the news, Eric Trump, the second of the president's three sons, tweeted that the NFL was over. And there is no doubt that the president will try to make kneeling for the national anthem a centerpiece of his re-election campaign. And if ratings show a sizable drop as a result of the president's rhetoric and the backlash among the president's core supporters that watch the NFL... The NFL will be caught between a rock and a hard place, and they'll have to walk the tightest of lines in an attempt to avoid alienating significant chunks of the fan base on both sides of the political spectrum. And that is a thing I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to, regardless of what happens on the field. Yeah, I, I as someone who served in the Marines, I, I believe that we did what we did, and I never went anywhere, and I never saw any combat, and I never did anything crazy. But but part of the reason I signed up was to uphold the Constitution, and in the first. Amendment of the Constitution gives you the right to peacefully protest, peacefully assemble, and to speak your mind. It doesn't it doesn't protect you for what happens after you've spoken your mind, but it gives you the opportunity to do it. So I, I am all for the players kneeling, and I completely understand what you're talking about with this line. The NFL will have to walk if you know the the ratings drop, if it becomes more of a, a subject than the, the games themselves. It, it's it's gonna be a tough, tough battle for the NFL this year. It most certainly is. And what is your big season headline going into the season? Mine has to be the pandemic. It has to be, can they finish this season? From all perspectives, it seems so far that the NFL has taken this extremely seriously. And they are 100% trying to make sure that these teams, players, and fans can do this safely. About half of the games won't have fans in week one. They'll just have artificial crowd noise pumped in. How will that work once the fans start to come back, once states start to open up, are we going to see another outbreak? Are we going to finish the season? Because I really am very excited to watch to watch football, and I don't want them to get halfway through and then have to just kind of kank the whole thing because there's a second a second wave that just kind of knocks the whole thing out. You brought up an excellent point there, Matt, which brings us to our favorite game, truth or an exaggeration. You know how this game works, and we begin the game with this. The NFL will decide to conduct the 2020 playoffs and Super Bowl in a bubble environment, especially if the pandemic worsens the further we get into fall and winter. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going to go truth with that one because if that's uh, if, if they're not going to have any fans in the stands, the home field advantage is kind of lost this year. Yeah, you get to play in familiar turf and you get the nicer locker room, but you know if, if it comes down to it, the NFL is on the cusp of finishing the season playoffs, Super Bowl, and there's still this issue with the pandemic. I can absolutely see them picking a neutral city. And just going with that with no fans across the board and just to keep everybody healthy and under control and and to just ensure that the season finishes on time. 
Yes, Major League Baseball just did the same thing, and I could easily see the NFL doing the same thing. So uh, now let's go on to the news out of Denver yesterday where Von Miller suffered a tear to a tendon in one of his ankles, which will likely end his season. So truth or exaggeration, Von Miller has played his final down as a Denver Bronco. I'm going to say truth to this one. Uh, I think the Denver Broncos, man, I feel so bad for them and their defensive coordinators because it seems like they either get Bradley Chubb or Von Miller and they never really get them at the same time for an extended period of time. And I think Von Miller has played his last down. I think Denver's an up-and-coming team. I think they're going to try and go young here. I think uh, I think Von Miller will still command a high amount of money on the free agent market. And this could be a time when, when the Broncos just look to Shed, shed some of those older big contracts and maybe go after some young guys and, and hope to build through the draft and, and maybe through free agency. Uh, as sad as it is as a Broncos fan, that definitely wouldn't be the worst option available for the Broncos because uh, obvi- because the chances are they will not win another Super Bowl with Von Miller unless Drew Locke turns into Patrick Mahomes right away, which uh, I don't expect him to. So that is something they will definitely uh, have to uh, consider uh, departing with a probable first ballot Hall of Famer. And now we go to the NFC West, where Jalen Ramsey's blockbuster record-setting contract extension with the Rams further ensures that they will remain in a state of mediocrity, if not worse, for the foreseeable future. That's the absolute 100% truth. Uh, I, I didn't understand the move the Rams made when they made it by trading two first-round picks to get Jalen Ramsey. And now you have to pay him all this money, and it's about the top five or six players in the Rams are eating up half of their Salary cap, and, and I'm not sure if we're going to see the salary cap dip next year. I'm not sure what, what you know how that's going to look, but how can you justify trading that much and then and then being forced to pay Jalen Ramsey, who is a very good player? He's a top five corner in the NFL, but you're trying to rebuild. They're, they're trying to rebuild. You don't have the draft picks to do it, and spending all this money on what is essentially a non-premium position, even though corners are very important, it, it doesn't it doesn't go in the same vein in defenses as a defensive end or, or an all pro defensive tackle like Aaron Donald. I, I don't, I don't know what the Rams plan is. And as of right now, it just seems like they're just going to kind of middle at this seven and nine, nine and seven for a while because their, their top talent is really good, but they can't put together the draft of the free agency to fill out the rest of the roster. Amen on all accounts there and remaining in the NFC West, Kyler Murray will have a similar breakout campaign in 2020 to Lamar Jackson's in 2019, even if he doesn't win MVP? I'm going to say just a little bit of exaggeration, just the slightest bit, because Arizona's offensive line is bad. They are they are not good. So as much as I would like to see Kyler Murray break out, even as a 49ers guy, I really enjoy watching Kyler Murray play. I think the offensive line is, is going to hold him back, even if he has DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella and everyone else, Max Williams at tight end. I just don't see him taking that big of a step. I think he does take a step forward, but I don't think it's quite to an MVP caliber level. Uh, it's just I, I can't I can't see him quite getting to Lamar's uh, to Lamar's heights from last year. That makes a lot of sense, and uh, hopefully that Cardinals offensive line gels quickly so Kyler Murray can start reaching his massive potential this year. And moving on to the AFC again, where the Chiefs are heavy favorites to repeat as AFC champions. Truth or exaggeration? That's got to be truth. It's got to be truth. And the crazy thing is they, they talk about the Super Bowl hangover effects, not just the not just the losers, but also the winners, because a lot of times these teams hemorrhage players. Right? These guys have been able to put themselves on display throughout the postseason, have played big games, and now go get monster contracts elsewhere. But the Chiefs have managed to keep everybody in-house. They paid Patrick Mahomes. They paid Chris Jones. Tyron Matthews still there. They didn't have any big cap casualties this year. They have to be the favorites because they returned so much. And in a year when it matters, just so much more than usual because there was no OTAs, there was no mini camps, there was no rookie rookie workouts. None of it. Continuity is the number one thing you want to have this year. And the Kansas City Chiefs come in very, very consistent in the number of snaps they had from last year. The Green Bay Packers will not, not make the playoffs in 2020. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, well, uh, a little bit of exaggeration. So last night on, on the inaugural episode of PFN's The Breakdown, um, I picked them to make the playoffs reluctantly. 
reluctantly picked them to make the playoffs. I think Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. I think Devontae Adams is just so good that they're going to be able to win games on their own. I do think they take a significant backslide. I don't think they go 13-3 and again. Uh, they're 8-1 and one in one-score games last year, which is just an unsustainable level of play. I think they slide, you know, they regress to the mean just a little bit. And uh, with the expanded playoffs, I could see them getting the 6 or 7 seed and, and, and going on the road for the wild card round. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And because of an injury to a key division rival uh, early in the season, that could open up the door for the Packers, as we will discuss when we make our game picks this week. And last but not least, we conclude our first truth or exaggeration game of the season with this. Because of there being no preseason games due to COVID, the opening month of the 2020 season will be dominated by offenses and defenses will struggle. Truth or exaggeration? I think that's exaggeration. I think we're going to see some offenses come out and dominate. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the Kansas City-Houston game where I expect one of those offenses to just absolutely dominate the, the other side. Um, but I think overall, I think we're going to see the defenses really step up and and be what they need to be. Uh, the biggest issue is they haven't tackled. So I think maybe week one and two, we're going to see a lot of missed tackles because these guys haven't been hitting like they're used to. And uh, I think that bodes very well for teams like Tennessee when they're just going to throw Derrick Henry out there for 25 carries a game. And, you know, these guys haven't tackled. They have tackled them. But Overall, I think quarterbacks not being able to play against a different defense, against a defensive coordinator specifically scheming to stop them, I think they're going to struggle. I think the top-tier offenses are going to be just fine, but I think once you start getting towards the middle of the pack and especially down at the bottom, they're really going to struggle to get going. Well, that is an excellent point, especially with the lack of tackling. We could see offenses dominate the first couple weeks and that defenses pick it up a couple weeks later. So that is definitely a trend to look out for. And speaking of that Texans and Chiefs game, that is the first of our two games of the week for week one. Texans and Chiefs meeting at Arrowhead Stadium tonight to kick off the 2020 NFL season. Arrowhead Stadium that will only be a quarter of the way filled with fans, but nonetheless, it should still be very exciting. And when you look at this Houston Texans team this year, uh, they're obviously missing a critical, critical piece on offense in DeAndre Hopkins, who they traded away in arguably the dumbest trade of the century uh, to Arizona to acquire uh, David Johnson, who might be a washed-up running back at this stage of his career. But when you look at what the Texans did to, re- to replace DeAndre Hopkins, they took um, they acquired Brandon Cooks from the Rams to team up with Will Fuller, giving them one of the fastest wide receiver duos in the NFL that is near par with uh, the, the the speed of the Chiefs with Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman, respectively. So do you think the speed of that Texas wide receiver core will kind of help mitigate the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, especially against an opponent like the Chiefs? I think it will, but the, the issue is both Will Fuller and, and Brandon Cooks are are very, I don't want to say injury prone, I don't like that word, but but they, they struggle to be on the field every week. They, they, they Their bodies can't necessarily keep up with their legs, and uh, Brandon Cooks, even he missed practice on 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 Wednesday. So, you know, is he going to be there tonight to play? I don't know. I, Will Fuller is is a guy that's just brimming with potential, and I think with Watson's pretty deep ball, very pretty deep ball, I think they can make some noise. I just I don't know how they move the ball. Once you need to start getting guys, you need like an Anquan Bolden type possession guy to move the sticks i don't know if they have that guy so i expect the houston texans to have a lot of big plays this year but i also expect their offense to kind of sputter a couple times just because they can't get that key third and seven. Oh, that is a very good point and uh, they're going to need one of their young tight ends to step up and fill the role that you're referring to yeah absolutely uh, i like i like atkins I, I think he can be that guy but you know he's a little rough around the edges and it's a very crowded tight end room so it's going to be all about getting reps for him very good point. Uh, that tight end battle throughout the season is going to be very intriguing in, in Houston, but uh, there's an even bigger weakness on this Texans team, and that is their defense. Uh, yes, you still got J.J. Watt, who can still play when healthy, and you got Whitney Merciless, who can still play when healthy. Uh, you got a, an underrated uh, pair of linebackers in Bernard McKinney and Zach Cunningham, but aside from that, this defense is very, very, very suspect. Like, just look at that secondary. Like, outside of a Justin Reed, who's a very promising young safety, who do they have? Just how low is the floor for this Texans defense, given the tremendous holes they have in their secondary? Yeah, the secondary is going to be their downfall. Because I actually like their front seven. You mentioned Whitley Merciless and J.J. Watt. Uh, they also spent a second-round pick on Ross Blacklock at a TCU, who I was very high on going oh, yeah. into this draft process. Um, I think he's a great piece if you can line him up and let him – 
kind of eat up blocks that frees up other guys, or they try and one-on-one him, and he can beat one-on-one from the interior. The linebackers, I also I also think, can be able to hold hold down the fort in the run game, but you're right. Teams are going to be able to pass on these guys just nonstop. I don't see them stopping many many high-potent offenses. I said we're going to talk about the Chiefs offense. I think this is one of those offenses that goes out. I think I would not be at all surprised to see the Chiefs put up 40 or 50 points tonight. I really think the Chiefs are just going to pass, 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 and just stress this defense and and just keep the foot on the gas because they want to show, hey, there's no Super Bowl hangover for us. We're coming back. We're here. So I just – the secondary is going to be the downfall of the Texans this year, and I actually have them missing the playoffs because of that. And speaking of the Chiefs, on paper, how much do you think they have improved compared to last season's Super Bowl triumph? Well, I'm, I'm never a proponent of drafting a running back in the first round. I think it's a wasted pick. I think it's an absolute luxury pick. But when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and they get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 32, it was a luxury pick because the rest of that team was about a you know, solid roster in the NFL. They bring back just about all of them. I, I don't know how... Unless injuries slow this team down, I don't really know how you're going to stop the Chiefs. There's two years worth of tape on Mahomes. Nobody has figured him out yet. The guy is just so incredible that, man, they I, they have to be favorites to repeat. I easily agree with you there, but if are there any areas where they might have regressed on paper? Maybe the secondary a little bit. Um, another year older, and there's. They're not going to create. I don't think they're going to create a ton of turnovers. But but for me, it's and then the offensive line obviously had some issues where they had a couple opt outs on that. But but for the most part, Mahomes gets the ball out so quick and and is so agile and mobile in the back that it doesn't really matter. He doesn't take a ton of sacks even with pressure. I'd say yeah, maybe the secondary took a little bit of a step back. Yeah, that is a very good point. And what about? the matchups that are going to decide this game. One of the first ones I'm looking at is that Texas interior offensive line, which uh, isn't really the sharpest tool to shed against uh, Chris Jones, who might be the best uh, game wrecker on the interior defensive line, not named Aaron Donald in the National Football League. Yeah, that's a great matchup uh, because the the quickest way, teams have started to figure this out, that the quickest way to get pressure on a quarterback is is a straight line, right? So instead of having your edge rushers be speed guys, kind of do bananas to get to get around the edge to them, just send someone with a ton of skill right up the middle. And I think Chris Jones is going to eat this game. I think there's going to be a lot of shotgun for Houston and uh, something that Brett Yaris of PFM pointed out that I'm going to be watching like a hawk. But Deshaun Watson traditionally takes longer drops than anyone else in the league. He he just consistently drops to about 11 or 12 yards back before he settles in into his foot into his footwork. And we could see a lot of that this game because he's trying to distance himself from Chris Jones and buy himself some time. Yeah, any other matchups in mind that could prove decisive? Uh, yeah, so the the Kansas City receiving core and Travis Kelsey versus the Houston secondary. I, I think I think Kansas City is going to pick them apart, and it, it becomes a who do you cover, who do you double, who do you just kind of try and keep your eye on. Um, I expect Travis Kelsey to have a very big game because he is just an unstoppable force. And unless they shadow him with, with Justin Reed the whole game, he's really going to be a mismatch nightmare for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, and another uh, nightmare uh, in that Chiefs passing game that you mentioned is actually Clyde Edwards-Alaire because uh, if uh, there's any weakness for those two Texans linebackers, uh, one of them, Bernard McKinney in particular, isn't uh, necessarily elite in coverage. So uh, getting Alaire matched up on one of those linebackers of the passing game could be a tremendous mismatch in favor of the Chiefs. Absolutely. We could see uh, Edward Slayer put up monster numbers in week one. And, and like I said, I think the, te- the Chiefs are just going to come out and boat race these guys. They're going to they're gonna run it up. They're going to keep their foot on the gas. I just see them cruising to a victory. Yeah, that brings us to our game predictions. I agree. I say uh, uh, the score may look close, but the game's not going to be as close as the score. Uh, like The final touchdown is going to be a garbage time touchdown for the Texans. Uh, Chiefs 42, Texans 27. Yeah, I, I like uh, I like the Chiefs to put up like 48. I'm talking. I really think they're gonna push it. Um, so I got them getting 48, and then, and then Houston. I like the garbage time touchdown idea uh, as well. I think, but they only get to 24. I, I just don't think they're able to keep up. I think the interior, the offensive line has issues, and I think that that Deshaun Watson is forced into some mistakes, and 
I look for Tyron Matthew to make some plays on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. Oh, him and Juan Thornhill uh, at safety. They could be a very underrated tad of the entire league this season. And our second game of the week, Tom Brady at 43 years young and his new Tampa Bay Bucks traveling to New Orleans to take uh, Drew Brees at age 41 and the New Orleans Saints. And you have obviously been emphatic on this show many times before in recent months that Tom Brady has very little to nothing left. Do you anticipate seeing a similar decline from Drew Brees this year like we supposedly saw from Tom Brady last year? Uh, I don't, but only because of the weapons that Tom, or excuse me, that Drew Brees has at his disposal. Uh, Mike Thomas runs an elite slant, so he's always open underneath, uh, being able to dump the ball off to Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. They don't try and push the ball down the field a whole bunch. Drew Brees knows his limits, and he plays very well to them. Um, I, I, I did think we saw a, de- a decline in play last year from Drew Brees as the season went along, and as long as he stays healthy and doesn't bang his hand on a helmet again like he did last year, um, I, I don't expect a huge regression like we saw from Tom Brady, but I, I do think that this is Drew Brees' last year because I don't think he's going to be able to do it at a high enough level moving forward. Yeah, uh, all sides point to this being Drew Brees' final season indeed, and the Saints are definitely acting like it, uh, especially considering the fact that they're close on extending one of those key weapons at Alvin Kamara right before uh, Sunday. And when you look at this Bucks team, uh, a lot of people focus on the office, and rightfully so, but this defense cannot be ignored whatsoever. You obviously have Shaq Barrett coming off a, a, an amazing breakout season last year, returning to on the franchise tag to prove that it wasn't a fluke, and knowing how Shaq Barrett played for the Broncos in that Super Bowl season. I know he's going to prove a lot of people wrong again uh, this season. And he got that uh, amazing defensive line with Vita Vea and Dominican Sue. Uh, you got Devin White, who could become a top five linebacker in the NFL this season, and an underrated young secondary with guys like uh, Jamal Deed and Sean Murphy Bunting and the rookie safety from Minnesota, Antoine Winfield. So this Bucks defense has tremendous potential. Do you think they could become a top 10 unit this season? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do believe they can become a top 10 unit. Um, I, they have some of my favorite players in the NFL. Uh, I was hugely, I was hugely high on Antonio Winfield coming out in the draft this year. Uh, Shaq Barrett is someone I really pushed for the 49ers to go after during free agency two years ago. Uh, I, I saw his, I saw him flash his talent in Denver and he didn't have any tread taken off the tires because he was playing third fiddle behind Chubb and, and Von Miller. So you know, I really think this this Bucks defense is going to carry the team for quite some time until Tom Brady and, and Bruce Arians can kind of work together and figure out who's going to bend. Because Tom Brady has been playing in the same system his entire career. Different coordinators and such, but they all fall under that Charlie Weiss tree. And I, this is the first time he's playing someone that didn't. So I'm very curious to see how the defense really picks up the offense. And I think they have the talent and the ability to do so. Yep, that Bucks defense uh, could be very decisive uh, in this game. But let's go back to the Saints for a second. Uh, you mentioned the weapons around Drew Brees. They added an underrated weapon in the offseason in Emmanuel Sanders. And when you look at the Saints' struggles in the postseason the past two years, a lot of that uh, can be attributed, at least in part, to the lack of another wide receiver option opposite of Michael Thomas and this year, you signed Emmanuel Sanders uh, in free agency. Uh, can, can he be the most consequential free agency acquisition of 2020? I don't know about the most consequential, but it is going to be. It is a very big pickup. You know, both of us are very familiar with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I know what he can do. I know what he can do on the field. I know what he brings to a locker room. Um, if you haven't heard Emmanuel Sanders speak in a press conference, I would encourage you to go listen to him. He's very intelligent. He's very well-spoken, and he, very, he knows exactly what he's talking about. He's a great mentor for young wide receivers. I think it's, a, it's an A-plus move for them to bring him in because, they, like we said, they're all in on Drew Brees' last year, and, and Emmanuel Sanders is a very key part of that. So I'm very excited to see what he can do for New Orleans because he won't be getting number one targets anymore because he is playing with Michael Thomas. If Sanders still possesses the ability to to make people miss in the open field. He can still go deep when he needs to. Um, Sanders crushed the Saints last year by the, with the 49ers, so he's very familiar with the team. And uh, I, I just I, I don't know if it's me the most consequential, but it's definitely one of my favorites. One of my favorites as well. He could prove to be the difference between the Saints getting back to the Super Bowl and not getting back to the Super Bowl in Drew Brees' likely final season. And Looking at a couple matchups uh, that could decide this uh, 
what should be a very fun game. Uh, the Saints uh, interior offensive line with uh, Eric McCoy, Andrew Speed, and rookie Cesar Ruiz versus those two Bucks behemoth defensive tackles in Vita Vea and Adamic and Sue. And if you want to get pressure on uh, on Drew Brees, it has to be through the middle because Brees is the typical drop-back pocket passer that you need to disrupt through the middle because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. So that matchup is very, very crucial in this game. And when you flip sides, uh, Cameron Jordan is likely going to go against the Buccaneers rookie first-round draft pick, Tristan Wirfs, at right tackle. So uh, those matchups, uh, a a rookie uh, on the St. Cesar Ruiz and his two interior line mates uh, against those matchups, Big Buddhas in the middle for Tampa's defense. And Cameron Jordan against Tristan Wirfs. Uh, whoever gets to the uh, to Brady or Brady, Brady or Priest the most. God, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm mixing them up. Uh, it, it could determine the winner. Absolutely. Uh, I, I always go back when I, when, I, when I talk about Tom Brady regressing. Uh, I point to three very specific games in, in what we saw last year. It's, it's both Buffalo games and then it's the Tennessee game in the playoffs. And in all three of those games, the one consistent factor was he was under pressure for most of the game. Tom Brady does not like pressure. He does not like it. He's never liked it in his career. He's always gotten rid of the ball quick. He's always been able to just not not scramble, but just n- navigate the pocket well enough that, that he can get rid of the ball if he needs to. And, and Drew Brees is, like you said, the, the prototypical pocket passer. He loves to step up into the pocket once once the defensive ends get a little too deep on him. So he loves to step up, and if Ndamukong and Sue and Vita Vea can keep the pressure and kind of collapse that pocket around him, that can make the difference. Uh, I don't I don't think that the Bucks have enough to beat the Saints in Week One. So I, I think it's going to be a big part of how many points are scored. But I, I don't think that they're going to be able to force enough mistakes out of Drew Brees to take this one down. I actually agree, which brings us to our game predictions. I think the New Orleans Saints end up winning this game in a very dramatic way, though. Why, why and how? Stay tuned for our uh, bold predictions. Uh, how do you see this game ending? I've got 31-23 is, is my final here. Um, I think a one-position game sounds about right. Uh, eight points also sounds right. 23 has the, the Bucks dying inside the red zone three times for field goals. Uh, it just... To me, it just feels like the Saints are a different class than, than the Bucks, and there's just too many unknowns with the with the Bucks right now. That you know, how does Brady and Arians adjust to each other? Can Brady still push the ball down the field to to Mike Evans? Is is Chris Godwin going to become the number one target because he likes to run underneath? What does Rob Gronkowski have left? You know, is AJ is OJ Howard going to be the next big tight end? There's just way too many question marks for me on the Bucks side, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to predict a win for them. So I've got 31-23. He is Matt Barr, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast on the Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Barr underscore. And Matt, let's pick the rest of these Week 1 games, starting in Atlanta, where the Falcons host Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, as we said in our uh, season preview episode uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, this is likely Dan Quinn's final year with the Falcons unless they make the playoffs, which I don't see happening, and given their the, the trouble spots in that secondary, I see Russell Wilson of the Seahawks uh, lighting them up. Uh, Seahawks 31, Falcons 20. Uh, I've got this one closer than that. Um, I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the league. I think he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, it's what? Just, that's where I'm at. That's, that's where I'm at. I think Russell Wilson, if you put him on any other team other than the Seahawks, they would pretty, like, pretty much any other team, they would go nearly undefeated. I think the Seahawks have done him a terrible disservice of trying to surround him with talent, and and he has talent at the wide receiver spot, but they've never been able to consistently get him an offensive line. They've never been able to get him consistent running backs. I, I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the league because he does more or less, and he's more impactful to that team than any other team in the league. I think he was robbed of the MVP last year. So a whole bunch of stuff happening. But I like the Falcons' offense a lot. They, they, they're returning healthy. They got Todd Gurley. If Todd Gurley is even 80% of what he was in his MVP year, that's an absolute coup. They drafted one of my draft crushes, and Matt Hennessy, to play right guard. He's going to be the eventual Alex Mack replacement at center. This Falcons team, I think, is going to be a little bit better than folks think. I still think they finished third in the division because they are in there with the Bucs and the Saints. But I've got the Seahawks winning this 24-21. I think it's going to be a lot closer. The Seahawks traditionally don't travel to the East Coast very well. It is an early game. 
Uh, this one's going to be a little bit closer than most folks think, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Falcons pull the upset. But as I, as I have it, the Seahawks are going to take this one. The Las Vegas Raiders played their first game with their new city on the road at Carolina for the first game of the Matt Rule era with the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers, they're clearly in rebuild mode. And the Raiders, they're in year two of uh, Mike Mayock's stewardship as a general manager. And I believe the Raiders... Uh, Start the season off with the bang, taking advantage of a Panthers team that will play hard to start the game out, but the Raiders pull away in the end to a 34-17 victory. Yeah, Matt Rule's got a got a tall task in front of him to rebuild that team, and and the Raiders are going to go as far as Derek Carr takes them because I, I like their weapons. Brian Edwards and, and Henry Ruggs, both rookies, were named the starting wide receivers. Obviously, they have Josh Jacobs, and the offensive line isn't great, but it's not terrible either. Uh, I think the Raiders do go take care of business. Uh, John Gruden goes back into his old division rivals house and, and ruins Matt Rule's uh, Matt Rule's coaching debut. And another team that is rebuilding, perhaps even more so than the Panthers, given the lack of talent on the roster, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That the Take for Trevor campaign hosts the Indianapolis Colts at home. And the Indianapolis Colts, uh, with Phillip Rivers now manning the quarterback position, uh, they're playing for a lot of marbles this season. So uh, I think uh, this is one of the rather easier games to pick this week. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Colts. It's the Colts here. Uh, I, I love the Colts' defense. I think at every level they have absolute studs and playmakers. They acquired DeForest Buckner from the 49ers. Darius Leonard's a top-five linebacker. I think when you're looking at it, the Jacksonville offense. I don't think they have enough to compete with it. So even if Phillip Rivers comes out and isn't, and it's 2019 Phillip Rivers, I still think that the Colts win this one easily. I agree as well. I think that Colts defense is going to force uh, Gardner Minshew into some mistakes. I think uh, they're going to be able to run the ball very effectively against a depleted Jaguars uh, defensive line, especially in the middle. Uh, uh, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and their interior offensive line against those D tackles is one of the biggest mismatches of the week. And the Colts uh, win by a 20 to 7 margin in Jacksonville. And we go to the nation's capital where the Washington football team, a uh, long term nickname still to be determined, play host to the Philadelphia Eagles. And spoiler alert, this is my upset special of the week. Uh, the Eagles. Uh, like when you look at all the teams that have been bitten by the injury bugs so far uh, this season, the Eagles have been, especially on that offensive line. You got no more Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard gone for the season. So a uh, borderline washed up Jason Peters at left tackle and a decimated uh, interior offensive line against that Redskins defensive line with Chase Young, um, Montez Sweat, Derod Payne, Jonathan Allen. I think they're going to give Carson Wentz and company fits at Wentz uh, having either a, a very old or banged up or inexperienced wide receiver core outside of Zach Ertz uh, is going to really hurt the Eagles and the Eagles issues at the secondary are still very, very troublesome outside of Darius Slay. Uh, and I think Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin have one or two big plays in them that could make the difference in this game. Uh, and I think they will make the difference uh, given the fact that I think the Redskins defensive line is going to overpower the decimated Eagles offensive line. Washington 21-17 over Philly in an upset. Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. My wife, who is a fan of Washington, would love that pick. Um, I, I think Washington's an underrated team here. I said this on the show last night that I think, it, you know, if Ron Rivera can write this ship, they haven't had leadership in Washington for a very, very long time. I would I would say even going all the way back to Joe Gibbs because when it had Mike Shanahan, Shanahan was just fought every step of the way with Daniel Snyder. So I'm not sure how much control he really had. So you go back to Daniel, you know, Joe Gibbs, who just called Daniel, Dan Snyder Daniel, when everybody else has called him Mr. Snyder, which is one of those ultimate power moves by Joe Gibbs. Um, I, I really like this Washington team. I think they're better than most people think. That defensive line is built in the same vein as the 49ers. They're just pumping first-round picks into it, and they're going to use superior talent to beat poor offensive lines, what the Eagles have right now. They do not have a solid offensive line. So... I can actually see this being an upset, but my my question marks about Dwayne Haskins, even though I love McLaurin F1, Scary Terry, whatever you want to call him. I just have my question marks about Dwayne Haskins. I don't know if the lack of practice and the lack of being able to put this all on the field for, for the preseason, I think it's going to hurt Washington just a little bit. I got the Eagles squeaking by in this one, but I got it very close. 
Yeah, this game could go either way. And another divisional matchup uh, in the DNV. The Baltimore Ravens play at host to the Cleveland Browns as they begin the Kevin Stefanski era. And when you look at the Browns, they definitely made the improvements uh, they needed to out the offensive line. Uh, but the Ravens, their defensive line could be the best of the league this year. Bringing in Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf to join with Matt Judon and those guys. Oh my goodness, that's a nightmare. Even for a young and up-and-coming offensive line to block. Uh, I think uh, this game is going to be relatively low scoring, but I just can't go against the Ravens. Uh, they're going to come out motivated uh, to try to right the wrongs from that playoff loss. Uh, last season and the Browns are uh, are still lacking a lot of in a lot of key areas on, on defense and uh, I think that proves to be the difference as the Ravens they use the running game with their advantage on a relative on a mediocre uh, Cleveland run D and the Ravens uh, end up winning 24-13. Yeah I have the Ravens in this one too. Uh, Cleveland I think makes some noise this year but it's not the year to be having your second straight first year head coach. Um I think that's going to end up fighting them in the end. Uh, the Ravens at home, that stadium is is well, it won't have any fans in it, but um, still, that, that stadium is is intimidating to go play in. Uh, I've got the Ravens taking this one um, pretty handedly. I think they're going to. I think their defense is going to get Baker Mayfield fit, May, Mayfield fits, excuse me, and I don't think he's able to figure it out. The AFC East has two divisional matchups in opening week. The New York Jets and uh, that dumpster fire that. Uh, could be in the take for Trevor Screepstake, especially if Sam Darnold underwhelms again this season, traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. And uh, I think this is another easy game to pick, Matt. Yeah, pretty easy for me. Uh, Buffalo's defense is going to just keep uh, Sam Darnold just in trouble the whole game. All they got to do on offense is not turn the ball over, and they're going to win this one handily. Yeah, I got Bills 23-13 to in a similar fashion uh, as I have the Ravens beating the Browns. The Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores and Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, not to a tongue of Iloa, will be starting at quarterback, traveling to Foxborough to take on Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. Can't believe I'm saying that, but it's another matchup between teacher Bill Belichick and arguably his most gifted student, Brian Flores. And uh, this could be the most low-scoring game of the week. Absolutely. And as such, this is my upset special. I love Brian Flores. I love what he's doing in Miami. I think Miami is going to win this game. The Patriots traditionally don't play well out of the gate. They've always had some issues. They always go two and two. And it goes, are the Patriots done after week four? It's a conversation that always happens. So I, this is my upset special. I have the Dolphins taking the Patriots out. And I just think that they do enough on offense. And I, I like the pieces they put together on defense. I think they have some former Patriots that are a little bit motivated to go and play their former teammates and the Patriots defense, I think takes a little bit of a bigger backslide than most people think with all the, the players that decided to sit out this year. I think that starts to take its toll And and uh, Bill Belichick starts off the season with a very rare loss in my predictions. That is a very fair prediction. Like I said, this game w- w- was a toss up for me to predict, but I just have a feeling that, uh, the Patriots are motivated because they've been counted out. Yes, they don't have Tom Brady anymore, but uh, the Bill Belichick wants to prove that he could still get the utmost out of a team, and Cab Newton wants to show the world that he isn't done. I think uh, it's a close, low-scoring, ugly defensive game, but Cab Newton just makes enough plays in the end to help the Patriots pull off a very close 16-13 win over the Dolphins. And the NFC North also has two divisional matchups in opening week of the 2020 NFL season. The Green Bay Packers, the reigning division champs, traveling to Minnesota to take out the Vikings. And I originally picked the Vikings to win this game, but after hearing that Daniil Hunter has been put on injured reserve, designation to return 2020, you continue to be cruel to pass rushers. Oh my goodness. Uh... This kind of makes me th- uh, have second thoughts. Yeah, the key to beating Aaron Rodgers is to put pressure on him nonstop, and I don't know if the Vikings are going to be able to do it. I do like the Green Bay Packers in this one. Um, I think it's close. I think it's kind of a shootout because I think both defenses are pretty suspect. And uh, I think uh, I think we see some players like Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson really go off here. I like Justin Jefferson making his rookie debut. Um, I think he's going to be able to make some plays. and. Uh, I have this as a as a as like a ten point win for the Packers, just because in the end, Aaron Rodgers outduels Kirk Cousins. 
if Daniel Hunter was playing, I would have Vikings 24, Packers 21. But even, yes, they do have Yannick Ngakwe. But uh, uh, without Daniel Hunter, they're going to be able to devote multiple blockers to him and take him, uh, take him away. So that, I think, is the difference. Packers 24, Vikings 21 because of no Daniel Hunter. And the Chicago Bears traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions. And Mitchell Trubisky will actually start this game. But uh, I have a feeling that... Uh, Bears fans are going to be streaming for Nick Foles to be put in uh, at some point this game. Yeah, I, I don't understand Chicago going out, trading a fourth-round pick, and giving up a ton of money to get Nick Foles, only to bring him in and sit him behind Mitch Trubisky. Um, I've got the Lions taking this one because it comes down to I trust the Lions' offense more than I trust the Bears' offense. Uh, Matt Stafford with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, um, TJ Hawkinson and you know who knows your running back maybe Swift maybe he still sits out but they acquired Adrian Peterson who give you a bruiser for two downs before you bring your third down back I, I think uh, I think the Lions win this one and they need to because their their opening schedule is pretty brutal so I think the Lions really need to come out and get a win if they want to show the world that they're better than the third overall pick yeah I have the Lions winning this game 20 to 9 and uh, moreover I see uh, Jeff Okuda there Rookie corner in the third overall pick of the 2020 draft, having a monster game going against Allen Robinson, where he like uh, holds Allen Robinson to like under 60 yards and maybe picks off a pass from Trubisky. So I think Jeff Okuda um, has an excellent start to his rookie career. And Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals host the Los Angeles Chargers as they begin the transition to the Justin Herbert era with Tyrod Taylor under center. And I am very high on Joe Burrow's long-term potential in the league. I think he could be a top-five quarterback within the next couple seasons. But uh, this uh, Chargers defense against that young, uh, relatively inexperienced Bengals offensive line, that pass rush with Bosa and Egrub, and even without Derwin James, that secondary, Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr., uh, Desmond King at all, uh, they're going to be a rough go for Burrow and company to begin. Chargers uh, pull it off by a score of uh, 21 to 18. It, it's closer than most people think, but the Chargers eventually pull it off because their defense, uh, for the most part, keeps Burrow in tow. Yeah, Bosa, Bosa and, uh, and Ingram are going to be the most important players on the field for the Chargers on Sunday. And uh, this is almost my upset special, but you said it. It's inexperienced off offensive line of Cincinnati. It's a rookie quarterback. I just don't know if they're able to overcome the pressure that Joe Burrow is going to be under. Uh, the Chargers winning this one in a close one because I don't think the Chargers are particularly good this year. Um, I like Tyrod Taylor, but he's just a, a stopgap quarterback, a bridge quarterback until Justin Herbert's ready to go. So I don't see them making a ton of noise this year. And I think uh, these are the kind of games where they're going to win. But when you look back on their schedule, you go, uh, they got they had some they had some rough wins against some bad teams. Oh, they most certainly did. And your San Francisco 49ers, uh, the defending NFC champs, play close to a team that many people are bullish on this season to make some noise, the Arizona Cardinals. And Kyler Murray uh, had some rough losses against the 49ers. The Cardinals played the Niners tough this year, and now they bring in DeAndre Hopkins. I think this is going to be a closer game than many people think. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a closer game than most people think. Uh, um I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the 49ers lose this one, to be honest. I don't think they lose. I'm picking them to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do lose because if it, the, the Cardinals are built to beat the 49ers, at least from an offensive standpoint. The 49ers have always struggled against quarterbacks that are super mobile because their pressure is kind of negated because their defensive line puts so much pressure, so it's kind of negated, so they can't just rush four and drop seven anymore. All of a sudden, you have to do a spy. You have to send some blitzers. You have to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket. Um, it's... It's, it's a very interesting game to start the year, and it's not ideal that I would want the 49ers to play the Cardinals right out of the gate. But at the same time, it could be a blessing in disguise because DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray haven't had a chance to get in a real rhythm yet. And I think that is really what's going to come down to is the 49ers are so continuous with their team and that they, they, they stayed the course. So I've got them winning in a very close game. Maybe a field goal at the end. Maybe, maybe just touchdown at the end. Whatever it is, I think it's going to one-score game. 
There's our simpatico alert. I agree. I do think the 49ers win, but the absence of DeForest Buckner is going to hamper that pass rush early on in the season because they're going to be able to devote more resources to containing Nick Bosa. Uh, they're going to miss DeForest Buckner during this game as Kyler Murray and company will total 27 points, but that Cardinals defense led by Vance Joseph and Isaiah Simmons not a starter right now? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, they just don't know what they're doing on defense in Arizona, and that I think is the difference in this game. In a high-scoring game, the 49ers defense makes more plays than the Cardinals defense, and that proves to be the difference in a 31-27 win for the 49ers. And a ho-hum Sunday night football match between the Cowboys and the Rams. These aren't the Rams we saw in 2017 and 2018 or even 2019. They're going to backslide tremendously. And this Cowboys team with arguably the best wide receiver trio of the NFL and Dak playing on the franchise tag with Zeke Elliott still in and defense with Everson Griffin now rushing opposite DeMarcus Lawrence. Are you kidding me? This Cowboys team, it's put up or shut up time in Dallas because you got rid of Jason Garrett. You got a coach in Mike McCarthy who has experience winning some big games. Uh, so, And I think the Cowboys uh, handled the Rams relatively easily, 35-21. Absolutely. I've got the Cowboys in, in a landslide in this one. Um, I like the defense. And the one player I'm super excited to watch for the Cowboys. This is obviously going to go into my 49ers bias, but Alden Smith is back in the league. And from all reports at a Cowboys camp, he has looked good. He has his head on straight and he's ready to come back in and show the world what he can do. I'm very excited to see how he does that, because if he comes in as a situational pass rusher, I don't see him getting, you know, double digit sacks, but he gets six, seven, eight sacks this year. So I really want to see if he's used this game. And, and and with the Rams, I mean, we talked about them with Jalen Ramsey. They're, they're pumping all their money into their top five or six players, and it's just it's just devoid of talent elsewhere. I don't like their offensive line. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Running back Cam Akers is, is not the same kind of one-cut back that, that Todd Gurley was. You know, they lose Brandon Cooks. They have Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods, who might be the two – Maybe the most underrated duo in the NFL when it comes to wide receivers. But Jared Goff is just – he's going to be under pressure. When Jared Goff's under pressure, it does not go well for Sean McVay and company. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, traveling to the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium to uh, take out the Giants as part of the Monday Night Football doubleheader. Uh, this is an easy game. Daniel Jones, or Steely Dan as we call him here on this program, he's going to struggle against one of the top three defenses in the NFL big time. And bet Roethlisberger back in toe against the Giants defense that uh, lacks a lot of pieces. Uh, they're going to be able to move the ball uh, very easily. Steelers 28, Giants 3. This is my lock of the week. Yeah, that's a good that's that's a that's a very good lock of the week. Um, I think my lock of the week would be, would be Kansas City over Tennessee. Um, but, but this is this is a very 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 close second for me because the Steelers. I don't know how they managed to go eight and eight last year. I don't know how they pulled that off with with the lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball, uh, particularly at the quarterback position. If if Ben Roethlisberger come back and be seventy percent of what he was, just seventy percent of what he was. This is easily a playoff team in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike Tomlin, very experienced head coach, going against Joe Judge on primetime. His first his first appearance, uh, Steely Dan, Saquon's not enough. Saquon's not enough. So I, I just I just think that the Steelers route him on Monday night. Yeah, and uh, Monday night football game that I was looking forward to, uh, but not so much now given the injury to Vod Miller. The Titans at the Denver Broncos at uh, with Von Miller out and no tackling allowed, and Bradley Chubb likely on a pitch count before he gets back to 100% at some point this season. Uh, this is a dream come true for Derrick Henry and the Titans. Uh, they'll be giving the ball to Henry all night and uh, controlling the clock all night, and uh, it's not going to be close. Titans 27, Broncos 10. Wow, I've gotten a lot closer than that. Um, I think I'm higher on Drew Locke than you are. So I, I like the Titans' defense, but I'm not super-duper sold on it. I think Jadavion Clowney is also one of those players they just brought in. I'm not sure what his role is going to be week one. I don't think they're going to be able to put him out there for 30, 40 snaps. So he may just be a 10, 15 snap guy while he still gets acclimated to to football again, as even everybody else has already gone to training camp. So I, I, think the, I think the Titans do win, and I think they just ride Derrick Henry. They try to limit their mistakes. They just, they just hand the ball off and let him go up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, all game long. Um, but because of that, the game is they don't score as many as many points. So I've got this one like 17-10 Titans. I, I just don't think that there's a 
there's enough time on the clock once both teams start running the ball because I think the Broncos are going to try and come out and establish the run as well. I don't think there's enough time on the clock for them to put up monster numbers. And let's go to our week one bold predictions. You go first here, my friend. My bold prediction. My bold prediction. Let's see. I'm going with the guy. Uh, I was going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to go with my San Francisco 49ers. And last year, Jimmy Garoppolo put up 791 yards and eight touchdowns against the Arizona Cardinals in two in two games. I think we're going to see similar production. I've got Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for four touchdown passes against the Arizona Cardinals, two to George Kittle, one to Brandon Ayuk, and then Jarek McKinnon finally comes back, finally gets back in action for the 49ers, sees meaningful snaps, and scores a touchdown in his first game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go off on this Cardinals secondary. Patrick Peterson is a year older. Buda Baker was just given a monster contract for zero career interceptions. I don't know what they're going to be able to do to contain George Kittle. Uh, if Isaiah Simmons is not their guy, how do they stop him? So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a monster game. And I think they've been sitting on a lot of stuff that they haven't used out of Kyle Shanahan's playbook yet. And I think Garoppolo, in his second full season as a starter, starts off on the right foot. Uh, how many yards do you see him throwing for? Four, four touchdowns and... Uh... 350 yards. 350 yards. That's a very good bowl prediction there, my friend. And my bowl prediction is this. As I allude to earlier in the program, the Saints and Bucks are going to be a high-scoring game. My bowl prediction is that they combine for 80 points, and the game will end with zero seconds on the clock when Drew Brees finds Emmanuel Sanders for a 10-yard touchdown on fourth and goal propelling the Saints to a 42-38 to victory over the Bucs. That is my bold prediction. And last but not least, we conclude this week's episode with our challenge flags. And I will go first here. All NFL teams, my challenge flag is to you. Do what the Bucks, Lions, and Eagles have done and turn your stadiums into voting locations for the 2020 election, giving your fans a very safe option to cast their ballot in person during this pandemic or register in person or drop absentee ballots off, whatever. There are so many avenues to vote, but given a pandemic, we got to plan carefully on how we're going to vote. NFL teams, do what NBA teams have done and what some of your teams have done. Step up to the plate and give people a safe in-person voting option during COVID-19. Ah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to throw my challenge flag at fans and analysts because this week one is going to be ugly in some regards because there was no preseason. There was no way these guys could go out and get play. Do not, do not overreact to week one. Don't see an upset and think that the team that was upset is terrible. Don't think that maybe your team is great because they win week one. Take everything with a grain of salt and just take a deep breath and just be happy that football's back. Agreed, Matt Barr. Thank you very much. And that's it for today here on Sports Cross. But we'll be back next week to preview week two of this 2020 NFL season and a lot more content as well. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Matt. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Matt Barr, you can follow him on Twitter at MattBarr underscore. This is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, wear a mask, wash your hands, socially distance, and above all, make a plan to vote. Enjoy week one, everybody. Take care. <laughs>